is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? You know, most Christians, I would say, believe in keeping the Ten Commandments. Um, they may struggle with the fourth one, but they, they basically believe the Ten Commandments is, uh, you know, a moral example of God's will, of how we should live our lives, how we should relate to God, and how we should relate to our fellow man. But I want to look at today beyond the Ten Commandments. You know, beyond the Ten Commandments, God gave us other laws that help us to become more like Christ and helps us to love God and to love our fellow man more deeply. Now, Jesus put it like this in Matthew 22 and verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So here we have Jesus, you know, Christ is not coming up with only two laws, you know, and then we try to figure out how to love God and how to love our fellow man. No. What Christ is doing here is a summation. He's summarizing the Ten Commandments. The first four tell us how to love God. So they are, okay, no, no, no other gods, only me. Uh, don't make yourself an idol of any kind. Don't misuse the name of God vainly and observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So here's the first four. The first four tells us how to love God. The last six tells us how to love our fellow man. Now, let me clarify something. I didn't say you had to like your fellow man, but you do have to love him. And I give that example because I think it's important. There's a lot of people I don't like. Um, I, I just don't. And people I don't like, I don't hang out with them. But I didn't say I didn't love them. And love is a, it's a matter of the will. And you know, let's say you got this neighbor you don't like, okay? You don't like him, okay? All right, you don't like him. You don't have to hang out with him. Don't, you know, you know? But you're riding down the road and you notice his house is on fire. Because of love, what you're going to do is you're going to stop and make sure, get your neighbor out, get his family out, get his dog, get his cat, you know, out, and get his children out. You're going to help him put out the fire because you love him. Love is a matter of the will. It's what you do. It's not what you're feeling necessarily. So love requires us to, you know, we're told to love our fellow man. But don't ever think, well, I got I to gotta like you so-and-so that, that uh, is always rude. He's always drunk. He's always doing that. No, but you do have to love it. Okay, you do have to love it. All right. So we have the last six commandments that tell us how to love, how to love our, our neighbor, how to love our fellow man. And it, it says, honor your father and mother, no murder, no adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor, no lusting after your neighbor's house, his wife, his material possessions. Uh, don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. So this is how we love our fellow man. Now, in addition, there's over, you know, there's over to the Ten Commandments, there's over 600 laws found in your Bible. Uh, now, if we could live by this principle that I'm about to share with you, we would do well. And that is, 
every law that you come across in the Bible instructs us on how to love God, love a fellow man, or both. How to love God and our fellow man. Every law that you come across of in the Bible are instructions on how to love God and love our fellow man. You know, there would be a lot, if we could just, if we could just accept that principle, there'd be a lot less hostility toward the law of God. Because if you listen to some preachers, you almost get the impression that it's a sin to try to keep God's law. That it's something wrong with me if I try to, you know, that's works of the law and you don't, we're saved by grace and you don't have to pay that law any attention. It's been nailed to the cross. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away with. You almost get the impression by some preachers that it's wrong to try to do the right thing, to obey God. Yes, to keep his law. Now, I want to give you some guidelines about the laws of God. First one is this. No one keeps all 613 laws found in the Bible. Uh, if someone tells you they do, they're lying. Okay. Another point is, <clears throat> not all of the laws apply to you or me. Example, if the laws concerning uh, a woman's period, that doesn't apply to me because I'm male. All right. So not all, every law that you read may apply to you. Another point I want to make is I don't understand all 613 laws found in the Bible. So it, it, it's hard to keep a law that you don't understand. There's sometimes, I, I mean, I struggle with that stuff. I think, what is the meaning behind this? I don't, I, don't, I don't understand this. How would I even apply this? Okay. But if we would approach the law as instructions on how, every time you come across a law in the, in the Bible, how to love God, how to love our fellow man more deeply. It would do us all a world of good. Now, again, most Christians, I think, would say they believe in and keep the Ten Commandments. Some, you know, they may struggle with a fourth one, to keep the Sabbath day. But most sincere Christians would, would say, okay, or at least I keep nine of them, and, 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 or I keep ten of the commandments. I keep the Ten Commandments. They would say that. Okay, but I want to look at some other commandments or other laws in the Bible. Now, the question you always want to ask is this. What is the principle? When you come across a law in the Bible, what is the principle, principle behind this law? Let's take a look at one here. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 8. When you build a new house, then you shall make a battlement for the roof, that you bring not blood upon thy house, if any man fall from hence. Now, back then, they, the Jewish home, they were flat roof homes, and they would get up there in the cool, cool of the day, and God is concerned about this, that, you know, if you get up there and maybe you drink a little bit too much wine, you don't want your, your neighbor falling off and getting hurt because that's where you're hanging out on this flat roof. And so God says, what I want you to do is I want you to put a railing on your roof, that flat roof, so that nobody stumbles and falls and gets hurt, so that blood does not come upon, you know, your house. Now, how do we apply this law today? Would it make sense to, build, to put a railing on an A-roof home? No, that wouldn't make a bit of sense because we don't hang out on an A-roof home. But in our building codes, if, I think it's 32 inches. If you build a deck 32 inches high, you need to put a railing. It's, it's, okay. The principle of God's law remains the same. 
the application, how you apply it, can change. And so the application of this very law is built into our building codes. Again, the principle of God, uh, God's law remains the same. How you apply it can change. So here's the Old Testament law. It says put a railing on the roof, flat roof of, of your home. Uh, how we apply this has indeed changed to some degree because it's, 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 it's built into our, our building codes. So what law does this fit into? Well, it fits into love your neighbor, love your fellow man as yourself. Because, you see, uh, let's take building code, uh, electricity. You know, the, I think the rule is 10 outlets on a 20-amp breaker. So if you've got a 20-amp breaker, you only want to put 10 outlets, you know, maybe six receptacles, four lights. That's all you can do. Now, if you put 20 outlets on a 20-amp breaker, and you build this house and you, you put too many outlets on it and then you sell it to your neighbor and your neighbor comes home, flips the switch and his house burns down because the 20 amp breaker can't handle that. Okay, Th this is part of loving your neighbor as yourself. You don't want to rig something. You want to do it right. And believe me, you know, building codes, you know, I, I can build all kinds of things. You know, I do a little bit of electrical, wiring, plumbing, sheetrock, roofing, framing. I, I don't do it for a living, but I just naturally know how to do stuff like that. And I built a garage, and the building inspector came out, and I wondered why he had fake bullet holes in his, on his car. And when he left, I understood. You know, this guy was a hated guy. I mean, everything I did was wrong. But uh, it's, 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 I submitted to it because it's about concern for other people, such as in the example of the 20 outlets on a 20-amp breaker, could cause a fire. You want to do the right thing. So try to respect those in inspectors. <laughs> try to respect those inspectors that come out. Yeah, give you such a hard time. Okay, let's take a look at, at another law. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 10. You shall not plow with an ox and an ass together. Now, okay, what's that about? Well, first of all, if you're a farmer, no farmer would think of plowing with an ox and an ass. So there's got to be some other meaning here. He wouldn't be that dumb to do that. Plow with an ox and an ass. So they don't hitch up together. Okay. Uh, again, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 11, you shall not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. So what is this? What's the principle of this law? The principle of this law is simply this. There are some things that just don't mix. That's it. Okay. There are some things that just don't mix. There are some relationships that don't mix. There are some business partners that don't mix. You should have never gotten involved. There are some uh, marriages. I mean, there's some marriages that the two people should have never gotten married. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Those who have been through a divorce, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's it just some things don't mix. So here's Old Testament law where, you know, the, the, the principle is that some things don't mix. The application of that is we have to apply it to our daily life in relationships, in marital relationships, in business partner relationships. We have to apply it to those areas. Numbers 15, verse 38. Speak to the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they put a, upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. 
And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you go a whoring that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. So what is the principle of this law. The, well, the principle is to remember, to look upon these, I'll call them tassels because, I mean, that's what a lot of people call them. There's another name for it, but I forget what the name is. But to, to look upon them and to remember, to be reminded of the law of God. It's, you know, it's very simplistic. I mean, it's like you ever put on, a, like your, your wife tells you to, put on, to pick up a gallon of milk and you put a rubber band on your wrist and you're driving down the road at the end of the day and you look and you think, what's that doing there? Oh, oh gallon of milk. To remember the law of God. Now, do I wear tassels? No, I don't. I'll tell you why. So, the principle is to remember the law of God. The, the principle remains the same. The application can change. How I personally apply this is to receive the Spirit of God. Something that, that you receive at baptism. Okay? You're baptized, you accept Christ as your personal Savior. Uh, a minister lays his hand on your head and asks for God to give you a portion of his Spirit. Once you have the Spirit, God says, I'm going to write my laws upon their hearts and upon their minds. So to me, the Spirit of God is a greater reminder of the law of God than anything I could wear. So what category does this fit into? Well, it fits into the category of loving God. Um, you know, I, I, I do, tassels probably wouldn't work for me. I mean, I do construction work and, and uh, messy work, crawl, crawling around on the ground, climbing scaffolding. Uh, I once hooked my wedding band on a scaffolding. And that could have been bad. That could have been really bad, but it turned out okay. But so, so if anything hanging off me would, would not work too well in the, in the type of work that I do. Now, Leviticus 11 and verse 2 says this. Here's another law. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which you shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Earth, excuse me. Now here's the list of, uh, we go through a list of clean versus unclean meats. And the unclean meats are called scavengers. They're scavengers of the air, certain birds that are unclean, uh, scavengers of the land, scavengers of the sea. And they were designed to clean up the environment. That's the purpose. But they're not meant for human consumption. They are called unclean meats versus the clean meats which you can eat. Now, I want to tell you something. You, if you live in America, you're probably already keeping about 80% of the dietary laws. You don't eat vultures. You don't eat bats. You don't eat snakes. You don't eat cockroaches. You don't, there's a lot of things you don't eat. It's only a few things. A few meats that people are unwilling to give up, such as Le Leviticus 11 and verse 7. And the swine, though it divides the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. So pig meat, you're not supposed to eat it. Pig is a scavenger. Pig was designed to clean up the earth. Pig is, was designed to clean up the environment. Not meant for human consumption. Now, it's a strange thing that, that if your doctor says, you know, lay off the pork because it's raising your blood pressure. You will listen to your doctor, won't you? Why will you not listen to God? Because God says this is unclean and you shouldn't eat it. Why will you not listen to God's word?
So the dietary laws, what category does this fit into? Well, it, I think it fits into love for God and love for our fellow man. Because Scripture says, Third uh, John 1 and verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You know, our bodies are the temple of God, and we're not to defile them by things we, that we take in and eat. Uh, Leviticus 11 and verse 11, talking about the unclean meats, and they shall be even an abomination unto you, referring to the unclean meats. You know, God's, we're talking about God's design to be healthy, which is something you would think every person would want. So I think these, this law is about love for God, that your body is the temple of God. I think it's also about love for fellow man, because if someone you love is sick, if your mate is sick, if your wife is sick, if your husband is sick, we hurt when loved ones are sick. And so here are health laws, food laws, that God says, I want you to stay healthy. I want you to stay cancer-free or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, I, you do this, love for me, but love for your fellow man is, is the reason for the dietary laws, that I separate it clean from unclean. Let's take a look at another law, another one of God's law. Leviticus 23 and verse 4, these are the feasts appointed times of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Now notice this. You know, our, if, if I were to ask you to name the two most important holidays found in your Bible, you know most people would say Christmas and Easter, and yet Christmas and Easter is not found in your Bible. What we find in the Bible is that these are the feasts of Jehovah. Holy days, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their season. Now, here's the thing. The holy days in your Bible are all about Jesus Christ. I mean, sometimes you wonder, why wouldn't churches today, instead of adopting their own method for worshiping God, why wouldn't they stick to the Bible? Why wouldn't they stick to these are the feasts of Jehovah? They're God's feast days. And especially when you understand that they are all about your Savior, Jesus Christ, what he is doing now and what he will do in the future. For example, the Passover. Now, the Passover introduces the holy days, and the Passover is about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What could be more familiar, more common than, than, than Christ's blood, which is shed for you? That's the, that's the introduction. The, the, the Passover introduces the holy days. Then you have <clears throat> the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is uh, about putting Christ in, eating of that unleavened bread, and putting the leavening out, putting sin out, putting Christ in, putting sin out. So you have Christ. Our Passover that forgives us of our sins, well, what's the next step? Well, the next step is, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. It is about keeping the days of unleavened bread and putting Christ in, putting sin out. Then you come to the, third, the next holy day, uh, Pentecost, which is about receiving the Spirit of God, the first fruits that God is calling, Pentecost, which, again, receiving the Spirit of Christ receiving God's Spirit. Then you go to the fall holy days, which is Feast of Trumpets, which is about the return of Christ Jesus to this earth 
to put down man's rule of on this trying to govern himself void of the Spirit of God. Then you have atonement, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Then you have Feast of Tabernacles, the government of God on this earth, Christ's government on this earth. Then you have the last great day, which is really about the, the, the full graciousness and grace of Jesus Christ that will be spread out for all of mankind. All those who ever existed will have their chance to repent and accept Christ as their personal Savior. So uh, the holy days are all about Christ Jesus. And you would think churches would be interested in keeping them. I believe the holy days go all the way back to the creation account in Genesis 1 and verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, and for days and years. That word seasons there, it means appointed times. It means festival. So here we are at creation, and he says, I want to, I'm going to give you these for, to, that they be a sign, an appointed time, festivals for days and years. And it's the same word that we find in Leviticus 23 and verse 4. These are the feasts of Jehovah, even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their season. It's the same word. Feast means appointed times or festival. It's the same word that was used back in the creation account. So when we look at the holy days, I think they actually existed from the get-go, just like the Sabbath day did, just like the Sabbath. Sabbath, holy days, were there from, set up from the creation account, or during creation, I should say. Now, our society, though, has rejected God's holy days and we have substituted our own method for worshiping God, such as Christmas, Easter, and now Halloween in church. So we've rejected what the Bible says. These are the feasts of Jehovah. And we've come up with our own method for worshiping God. And like I said, you know, again, name the two most important holidays found in your Bible. Well, it's not Christmas and Easter. And it surely, surely isn't Halloween. Oh, man, it just it amazes me that you see that in church, Halloween. Now, do you know why that you keep, why you don't keep the Feast of the Lord's? Why you don't keep God's Holy Days? Do you know why you don't keep them? Chances are it's because every, nearly, well, not every, but on Sunday morning, your preacher is telling you you don't have to. That's one of the reasons you think these Holy Days are not important. They're not important because you've been convinced by your preacher who has come along and told you, no, those holy days are for Israel, <clears throat> they're for the Jews, they're Mosaic, they're Old Testament, they were nailed to the cross, they've been fulfilled, they have no meaning for us today. That's the reason. I mean, I can't, it's like the blind leading the blind. You know, I, I can't really expect much out of you if that's what you're being taught behind the pulpit from your preacher. Again, it's like the blind leading the blind. So what category does the feast days fit into? Well, they fit into love for God and love for fellow man because the feast days were made for the whole family to enjoy and to learn about God. And you know, if I could think of 
Two things that draws families together close to each other and to God. It would be the Sabbath day and the feast days. Because the Sabbath is a rest. It's time for you to be together as a family system. And the holy days are festivals, uh, feast of tabernacle, uh, t- tabernacles, feast of ingathering. You know, it's a time where, where family is together for seven days. It's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful celebration. So the problem, I think, a lot of times is this. A lot of people in their relationship with God, they, they approach the Bible with, what's the least I can get by with and still be in a relationship with God? It's almost like a hunger. It's almost like a thirst. It's almost like a, a diabolical desire. What's, Lord, what's the least I can get by with and still be, you know, in a semi-relationship with you? Maybe not complete, but, but what's the least I can get by with? Now, this attitude would not work in a marriage. So why? But, but we do apply it to God. You know, what's the least I can get by with? and still be in a relationship with you. Now, I want to challenge you. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to go outside of the Ten Commandments, to study the law of God, to study all of it. And what you want to ask is, what is the principle of this law? You need to remember that the principle always remains the same, but how you apply it can change. And don't just be a New Testament Christian. Be a whole Bible Christian. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept, or will God institute his holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled, Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.